Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what time you're listening to this podcast. I'm just glad you are. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Dean Millard. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, our 10th episode. And uh, remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy with the wonderful plant that is cannabis. Fun show lined up for you. Uh, First of all, I must say happy birthday to my lovely wife, uh, Trish Fideco Millard. Um, Last year, as she had a milestone birthday, I went all out. Uh, This year, it feels like I'm doing nothing because I only got a couple of things. But uh, happy birthday to uh, Fideco's taking you out for supper. So uh, right after I post this podcast, we're heading out for dinner. So this might not be the longest podcast that I've done in a while. I don't want to keep her waiting. So happy birthday to her, first of all. And uh, maybe as a present, uh, maybe she'll get a nice uh, can of truffle. We're going to be speaking uh, with a uh, woman named Jackie today on the program who makes these ridiculously good cannabis-infused truffles. And I will just say this, I have not had a good experience with edibles in the fact that I don't get high. Uh, I have not had an edible until now that has uh, had that effect on me. By the way, it's a 420 as I record this. Tell me, where is your favorite place to celebrate 420? Hit me up on Twitter at the cannabis 101 and tell me where is your favorite place to celebrate 420 as mentioned it is now 420 Uh, i would celebrate but i don't have anything set up Uh, i'm doing this podcast so hit me up on twitter at the cannabis 101 tell me where is your favorite place to celebrate 420 um so anyway uh, i've not had a lot of success with edibles People have made them. I've had candies. Uh, I've tried a, a supposedly some heavy duty ones, and I just I have a pretty high tolerance. is is basically what it is. I have a, a really high tolerance, which is unfortunate in some ways because it uh, maybe cost me a, a little bit more money, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, so I've never had a lot of success with edibles until last night. Um, man, I had uh, one of these truffles, and they are legit. So I am uh, really really looking forward to this conversation uh, with uh, Jackie uh, about the process. Um, We're going to tell you how you can make your own baked edibles, chocolates, truffles, um, you know, whatever you want. We're going to tell you how to make the can of butter that will go in your recipe. Uh, You follow the the same recipe as you normally would with can of butter. We're going to tell you today the step-by-step process, how you can do this at home. So I'm looking forward to that conversation with Jackie. Also, we're going to do what's that strain as usual with our good friend, Chris Ionson, who is our educator. And today we are doing WAPA by Namaste. Yeah, Namaste is the LP that we're going with today. 
and we're doing WAPA, and uh, I think you're going to like this one. Uh, I certainly did, for sure. This week in Cannabis News, David Wiley from OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. There was an outrageous raid in Revelstoke that we are going to discuss, and I, I both, I think, David and I feel passionately against what happened in this situation. It really is um, overkill uh, by uh, the law enforcement, in my opinion. Tools of the trade today, what to do if you get too high? good friend of mine sent me an article because listen, we've all been there. Anybody that has, uh, well, I'm sure anybody that has had experience with cannabis has gotten too high or it's just not comfortable. We're going to give you some tips to get straight, sober up, feel better, at least get through it in tools of the trade. And of course we are continuing with the cannabis character cup round two begins today. Tommy Chong up against Anthony Michael Hall, uh, Tommy Jong's character is the man from Up and Smoke. He's the number one seed in this tournament. And Anthony Michael Hall, the character we're going with, is Brian Johnson from Breakfast Club. You can vote at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter. That poll question will be up till uh, some point tomorrow, and then we'll go on. And you can uh, check out the uh, full bracket by going to the contest section at the Cannabis101podcast.ca. And you can check out the bracket, make your prediction, and uh, try to qualify for a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Uh, the final matchup in round one yesterday was Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, who we all know smoked the herb, right? He took down Randall Pink Floyd to wrap up round one. So we'll pay tribute to Randall Pink Floyd in our Cannabis character a segment later today that of course played by Jason London from the wonderful movie dazed and confused. So good show lined up for you. We start with our uh, cannabis question. Do you mix strains? Um, I had never really thought about this. And the other day I was, I had some uh, blue dream and uh, I had some Hawaiian and it was basically leftover from kind of different days. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder what would this this would be like. And basically, I uh, produced a blue Hawaiian. I, I guess you would say blue dream and, and Hawaiian. It was it was actually good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I threw this out on uh, Twitter at the cannabis 101. And uh, Travis says last few months, I've discovered the world of distillate. Uh, when I first tried it, I mixed Harlequin flour with a dab of GSC. It was pretty great. Since then, it's been all distillate for me. Kicks my butt always. Yeah, I think people are going to really enjoy uh, the um, season two when when that is uh, available in some of the retailers. Uh, Connor McCannabis says, I've definitely tried it. Usually, it is just to add a little CBD to a high THC cultivator, or cultivar, rather. On the other hand, on the other way around, adding a little THC to a high CBD cultivar. So there there are options, and uh, a few of the guys were saying, why didn't I think of this before? Why haven't I tried this? So love to hear your thoughts. Get me up on Twitter, at Duck Millard. Let me know if you mix strains and, you know, what experiment you've had. Um, now, when I do a clean out, I, I, when I, I buy my uh, marijuana, I transfer it into uh, mason jars. And so uh, when I'm through with, a certain strain and I'm going on to a new strain, I clean the jar out and anything left over, I mix into a pile and get a little swamp water. But uh, that's just uh, the old swamp water from drinks or yucca flux or whatever they were called. Uh, I've never actually uh, taken a certain strain and said, let's try that until I did this blue dream 
and Hawaiian, and it was uh, very tasty. So that's our cannabis question. Do you mix strains? Um, I certainly did. Uh, I'm not going to do it all the time because I do like enjoying what a particular strain gives you and is supposed to give you. Um, uh, But every once in a while, it's kind of a neat, I guess, experiment. And that brings us to uh, what goes well with, and this is anything that pairs well with cannabis. And uh, I was just back on vacation or uh, a work trip vacation uh, to Manitoba. And uh, we were around the fire a few times and stories come out. I was with some of my best friends and stories about uh, us as kids and teenagers and whatnot come out. They're funnier. Uh, uh, they, 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 they're they funnier than they I thought they were. They're funnier than the actual events probably actually were. Um, you know, when you consume uh, the right strain of cannabis, those stories are so much more fun. And I'm going camping this weekend and there's going to be more stories. And it was funny. We There was a, uh, a youngster, uh, my, my friend's uh, kid was hanging out with us around the fire. And uh, I was kidding him. I was going to tell him this uh, story about this uh, uh, supposed uh, ghost that haunted uh, the east end of Brandon where I grew up called the Okamoka. And so I was prepping to do this story. And I started going through it. And I, I had smoked a joint and a blue dream. And uh, we started thinking about this. I started thinking about the story in my mind. I'm like, oh, this is actually a really, really good story. So it was, it was, it was pretty good for creating stories and telling ghost stories. So there'll be a few this weekend, uh, some cannabis-infused stories. So that's what goes well with, and that is anything that pairs well with cannabis. Cannabis 101 Podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Very excited to dive in the world of um, cooking and baking with cannabis. And uh, Jackie is joining us today. She is uh, a baker of uh, some wonderful truffles. And uh, before we get into the process, first of all, thank you very much for being here. These truffles are delicious. So the first compliment I want to throw out is they're they're so good. And thank you very much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I, I'm interested in um, baking with cannabis. Uh, you know, taking uh, an amount of cannabis and turning into this really delicious, uh, really eye-pleasing truffles that you have here uh, first of all for for somebody that wants to get into this and they're interested what do you start with how much marijuana would you start with if you were going to make a batch of truffles like you do uh, typically i just start with one ounce so you take one ounce of marijuana and how much um, butter would that equate to when you're using that that would uh, about one cup of butter okay so there's a, you know, there's a conception out there, a misconception out there that you can just take cannabis, throw it in your mouth, eat it and get all these great uh, highs and buzzes. But there's a process that you have to go through with cannabis before you can do any cooking. Can you tell us about that process? Sure. A little bit about the process is the first thing you have to do is um, what they call decarbing the cannabis. So there's many different ways to do it. Um, my favorite way of doing it is I usually just grind it up in a coffee grinder or a food processor. Those little tiny handheld grinders, you don't have that kind of time or that energy. So throw it in a coffee um, grinder or just a food processor, get it pretty fine. And then I usually just throw it in a, um, a mason jar, 
and pop it in the oven for about 45 minutes at 240 degrees. And about every 15 minutes, you kind of want to stir it up a little bit, shake it around, kind of even out the oil. And basically this process just extracts the THC out of the cannabis um, so that it gets to a temperature where the, uh, the THC comes out. And that might not happen if you were just cooking uh, at some temperature, some diff- depending on your yeah. recipe, right? So that's why you have to do it at a certain temperature to yeah. get it. Because smoking, when you're smoking cannabis, it's easy, you know, that it gets to the temperature when you're smoking it. But if you're just eating it or baking it, your your body isn't, you know, it's not a high enough temperature to get it to that degree to extract the THC. So you'll get a more effective uh, high if you sort of get out that, get as much THC out of the cannabis before you uh, start baking with it okay so that's the a really important process one process that I uh, skipped unfortunately uh, one of the first times I was trying to do this and uh, I'm glad you're here to be able to give us the uh, step-by-step instructions so we've decarbed our cannabis uh, in the oven and now we want to turn that into butter what's the next process for you so for me next step is to make the can of butter I use uh, just a everyday kitchen basic uh, slow cooker but you can you know you can use a pot on the stove there's magic butter makers you know whatever you're comfortable with for me it doesn't have to be fancy a slow cooker is fine if you don't have a slow cooker throw a pot on the stove Uh, and then I again same ratio one ounce of weed and one cup of butter and THC loves fat and it sticks to fat very nicely so we uh, we want to get as much of that THC to stick to the butter and that's going to, we don't want all that plant leafy stuff in our brownies. And uh, so what we want to do objectively is to get all the THC out of um, the marijuana that we just decarbed into the butter so that we can bake with the butter. And then we, um, so I always put in, yeah, one cup of butter, one ounce of weed, and then I usually put in some water. Okay, why do you do that? It's just to regulate it a bit. It just seems... If it's just butter, the temperature gets too high, and you're you can burn the butter then, and then you're gonna just you know. It's a, you're flushing <laughs> money you're down the, the toilet. Then you're gonna throw out two hundred and forty yeah. bucks, or you know, hundred and sixty bucks, depending mm-hmm. on who you know. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so you put the butter in there, uh, just to recap, to prevent the cannabis from burning, which is very valuable stuff. Mm-hmm. Actually, well, that's why I add the water. So I put water in with the butter just to keep the temperature a little bit more regulated. I forgot to put the butter in once. Sorry, I forgot to put the water in once. Mm-hmm. And it was just too hard to regulate the temperature of the butter alone. So I felt that the water would temper it a little bit and keep the um, keep the temperature more consistent. Okay, so uh, an ounce of marijuana, a cup of butter, and how a much cup water? water? A cup, cup of water. A cup of water, yeah. Okay. So it's in a slow cooker now. And yeah. how, what are you doing with it now? Uh, you're just kind of leave it, leaving it alone. Maybe... Um, about every hour, I would just go in and kind of give it a stir, you know, swirl it around a little bit, mix it up a bit. Um, and I would infuse it anywhere from three to five hours. I At tried what it, temperature? Well, between 160 and 180 degrees. Okay. Yeah, anything over 200, you're going to burn that. And um, so I try to you just try to keep the temperature a little bit low and consistent. You don't want to bring it to a boil because if you boil it, then you'll boil the, the water off and the butter will burn and the weed will stick to the pot and it'll just start to fry and burn as well. Um, so it's, you know, kind of low and slow. 
in in the uh, in the crock pot. Very low and slow. Yeah, like I said, three to five hours. I'll usually, you know, I got to make sure I'm just putting on some Netflix, and right. <laughs> hanging out for five hours. But yeah, every hour, forty five minutes, I just give it a little stir. But honestly, just best thing is to just make sure the temperature doesn't get too high, and wait. All right. So while you're waiting, you can listen to the Cannabis 101 podcast now yeah. and, uh, and and catch up on our uh, old episodes. Um, okay. So when we talk about foods, you make these wonderfully tasting, really appealing uh, to the eye truffles. Are there better foods? Uh, you know, what type of foods do you like to cook with when you're using cannabis? Honestly, um, mostly baked goods. I've never made anything savory out of cannabis. I know people make hamburgers and baked macaroni and cheese and stuff like that. I've never done anything like that. Only confections, only bread, um, uh, cakes, uh, cookies. Uh, I've made fudge, root beer fudge, maple fudge, and basically, uh, yeah, cannabis truffles yes that's probably my biggest uh yeah they are they are awesome um are there better foods that you find to use uh when you're um you know baking with cannabis as far as uh, you know chocolates or uh the different baked goods that you use um is is some one better than other and does it absorb better no i haven't found either one is better what's better is what the client likes if a client wants a cake i'll make them a cake if they want truffles then i'll make them truffles uh, I try to stay away from brownies and cookies because I think everybody's doing that. Anybody can make a batch of brownies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mostly I try to be uh, a little bit more fancy. I want it. I just don't want it to be an edible. I kind of want it to be like a, a dessert or an event or something that you do on a special occasion. Mm-hmm. And maybe having a truffle on a Wednesday is what makes it special. Yeah, that's right. But uh, you know, listen, we've uh, we've talked to different people. Uh, we had uh, Nora Salem from uh, Bud and Bloom, uh, and she's a, a can of florist who, uh, you know, does some wedding events where they, you know, put it out in floral arrangements. Uh, these would look amazing at uh, a wedding reception or a retirement party or something like that because they're, you know, uh, uh, appealing to the eye. They taste really good. And, you know, those kind of things, I think uh, people are turning, um, you know, I, I don't think they're giving up alcohol at uh, weddings and stuff, but I think they're looking more towards, um, you know, maybe can of bars and things like that. And I think these would be really, really good at some kind of, um, you know, reception or or things like that. I did make uh, truffles a special order for a stag at. So just a handful of girls went to Canmore for a stag and uh, wanted to have some extra, extra fun during their little mm. girls trip. Uh, so I did make, um, you know, I just f- kind of found out the bride's favorite flavor and what her allergies were, her food restrictions, and just kind of came up with a product, uh, a truffle that I thought she and all the girls would like. That's beautiful. And it was very well received and, you know, paid for by one of the bridesmaids. So it's a nice little gift as mm-hmm. well. Now, there's a lot of people that have had bad experiences with edibles because they don't really know what is going on with them. How do you measure or approximate what, and, 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 you know, when you're, when you're making these and, and, you know, giving them out to friends like you did with us, uh, you know, how do you tell this is what kind of the dosage should be approximately? Um, I mean, I, I basically do most of it by weight. I'm certainly not a chemist, but, um, you know, I start with one ounce of weed and one cup of butter, and then I divide that butter into four, which breaks it down to seven grams. And then that, um, Butter, that seven grams worth of butter is what I will make a batch of truffles with. And, you know, some people want them stronger, so I'll make a dozen truffles. Some people that want them a little weaker, I will make two or three truffles 
or sorry, two or three dozen out of the same amount of butter. So I try to knock it down, um, make more. um, Then basically I just, you know, do it by volume. And if I end up with 30 truffles and there's seven grams in there, I divide it out and I realize, okay, you know, each truffle has approximately 0.20 grams. And you know, people got to know their dose. They have to be responsible. If you've never eaten a truffle, you're a f- you're kind of foolish to just grab one or even two or three and think, oh, I'm just going to go hard. It's it's like wine. You know, everybody has a limit. Some of us can drink a glass. Some of us need the whole bottle to, to have the same effect. And edibles are no different. Um, you got to know your limit. You got to start off small. You got to wait. Or you're just going to have a bad experience and you're not going to want to do it again. Um, just like drinking too much wine. You're, you're going to have a bad experience and your night's ruined. Then you're all in bed at 930. And that's that's not the point of this. There's a reason I haven't drank tequila since I was about 22 years old. Yeah. Bad experience. Yeah. Don't want to go back to it ever <laughs> again, right? And Because uh, I went uh, in the wrong way. I, I, my advice for anybody with edibles is, um, you know, wait uh, an hour before you have another one and then wait another half hour. So wait, like if you think you should wait an hour, add an, uh, almost another half hour, especially if you're not experienced, the worst thing you can do is this isn't kicking in. Let's take more. Yeah. And some people think that it's best to have um, an edible on an empty stomach. And it actually isn't. You okay. should actually eat. Even if you just have a bite, maybe five or 10 minutes before you have a truffle, because what that does is it wakes up all your digestive enzymes. And then when you throw that truffle in there, well, you're going to, it's kind of going to work through your system a little bit faster. Right. So you're not going to have to wait an hour, hour and a half. But like it can be just as simple as a handful of crackers or a piece of cheese or something just to wake up your digestive system a little bit. And then once the truffle goes in there, well, things are already up and running and and kind of moving along. So I find if uh, my clients eat a little bit before they have an edible, they're not waiting an hour and a half. You know, they're waiting 45 minutes, maybe an hour. But it's still the best piece of advice you can give anybody is to wait, because the problem is with that is they I think, oh, I don't feel anything. I'm going to have two more. And then it's over. Yeah, then then you're in the danger zone. And that's not, uh, I, I never asked this, but I, I just assume. But so once you make the can of butter, um, is the rest of the recipe for whatever your favorite recipe the same? Are there different things you have to do when you're cooking with can of butter as opposed to sober butter, I guess you, you might call it? Or is it just you follow the recipe, you take your favorite recipe and substitute can of butter with or substitute butter with can of butter and away you go is that it, most of the time it's a straight across the board substitution okay if the recipe has butter you can one for one can of butter you know, if it calls for a quarter cup of butter you can add a quarter cup of a can of butter but if you want it weaker then you can add maybe you know an eighth of a cup of can of butter oh, okay. and an eighth of a cup of regular butter the recipe you know baking is still a science you still have to have all the ratios you'll right. still need the exact the same volume of butter um, but it doesn't have to be all can of butter if you want your truffles weaker. Um, but what I have found is it's almost always the easiest recipes to adapt are the ones that have butter. Okay. But some of them come f- call for a cup of butter. Well, I'm not putting that much cannabis in anything. So I'll do three quarters of a cup of virgin butter and then a quarter cup of can of butter. And then off I go with the rest okay. of the recipe. Okay. So that's good to know. Um, how do you, I've had edibles before. Um, people have made them um, at home and experimented. Um, I have almost everything I have had tastes like cannabis, except this. Is you know what is the you know is there people that should be doing because listen I love cannabis I love smoking it I I like uh, eating it oil I use it for a lot of different things um, but sometimes the taste isn't that great I don't think anybody wants that taste 
So how is it important to, or, or why is it important and how do you do it? How do you prevent it from tasting like cannabis? Because that kind of, kind of rules, ruins a little bit when it, when you taste yeah. like you're eating that plant. Um, well, certain, certain, um, products that I make actually, you know, will taste more or less, um, like the cannabis. Um, I find that certain products that I make, you know, the, the biggest compliment is like, this doesn't taste like I'm sucking on a plant. Totally. This is like so much better than those brownies I had that just tasted like weeds. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a few different things that I've done to sort of um, offset that. I think um, using like the decarbing, it almost takes away a little bit of that weedy taste mm-hmm. well. it well. It almost gives it more um, like of an earthy flavor. So I think decarbing it alone kind of takes away some of that. Um, I know when I make um, certain fudges, because I've done maple fudge and orange fudge and um, root beer fudge, you can't taste any any of the product. So if people really, really hate that taste and they're really adverse to it and they want to try it, but they can't handle the taste, I'll kind of recommend certain flavors that are sure. a little bit better. Um, yeah, I mean, without giving away all my secrets, because there is one thing that I kind of researched that sort of neutralizes that weed taste mm-hmm. a little bit better. And maybe it's just a little something I add to my baking to kind of overpower it. True. But but this tastes nothing. You can't taste the cannabis. It's, uh, well, it's you'll delicious. F- you'll feel it. Yeah, I, I sure, I certainly will. <laughs> if you don't believe me, yeah. even if you can't taste it, it's definitely there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's wonderful. Um, Jackie, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast, uh, chatting about um, baking. Um, you know, what? actually, what made you... Uh, you know, obviously you have a talent for baking. What made you want to decide to uh, add cannabis to it? Uh, just out uh, drinking one night with a bunch of girlfriends. And my one girlfriend, she wanted to, uh, you know, when Canada was legalizing it and everything, she was talking about opening up her own dispensary and she's, you know, going to make make it rich selling cannabis. And our other girlfriend just said, well, why don't you put them in your truffles? So, I mean, I've been giving her my truffles for Christmas for a few years now. And she just said, you know, if you want to eat this stuff, why don't you, you're a good baker. Why don't you try baking with this? So that's what I did. I just went home and I, um, first thing I baked was a bunch of truffles and I, that's kind of how I started was just a friend saying, you know, you're a good baker, throw some weed in, throw some weed in this stuff and see how it goes. And it's gone really well. My first batch, I just gave it all away to everybody. And then they all wanted more and more and more of it. And they were telling their friends about it. And so it just kind of took off from there. And hopefully it takes off even more, and uh, you know, hopefully we uh, we end up with uh, cannabis bakeries, canna bakeries out there uh, in different shops. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of uh, the Cannabis One Hundred and One podcast, and I look forward to trying more of these as we go. Thanks, Dean. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on this week in cannabis news. We're back with another edition of This Week in Cannabis News. And as usual, David Wiley from OkanaganZ.com slash OZ is joining us. You can get their uh, newsletter, uh, email newsletter, and check out uh, a ton of different stories at uh, OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. David, uh, thank you very much for joining us uh, after we took a, a week off uh, for vacation. And, uh, you know, I come back from vacation and I, and I find out that... Uh, Cannabis plants, in plain view of the public, are not a good thing in the Okanagan Valley. Well, this is a wild story, and it's it's all across BC that this uh, that this law applies. 
Um, good to be back, by the way, Dean. Nice to hear your voice again. And so what's happened here is drawing a, a, a lot of criticism from across the province and across Canada, frankly. The story is definitely making the rounds. Um, so out in Revelstoke, not quite the Okanagan, a little ways out of the Okanagan, there is a, an annual garden tour that happens uh, in support of the food bank. And a couple of local residents out there, Anna Minton and her husband, Emmanuel Levesque Dupere, I'm not sure, I'm sure I butchered the name. They uh, supported this event by opening up their home to allow self-guided tour to come through. Um, on their property, they're growing three legal cannabis plants. Uh, they're generally out of sight of the public uh, on their own private property. And along with this tour, there was an off-duty Revelstoke RCMP officer and a member of his family. And the site of that cannabis plant did not sit well with this particular RCMP officer. So he went back to his detachment and ended up getting a search warrant, which was executed a couple of days later at about 9 o'clock p.m., even though it could have been executed any time after 7 a.m., they decided to do it under the cover of darkness, where they raided this couple's property. They they searched the house, they searched the tenants uh, the tenants area, and they left a note on the door saying that they executed this search warrant because the cannabis plants that were being grown uh, were visible to the public, and they cut the plants down and brought them to the detachment for evidence in order to uh, to consider laying charges against these two people. Well, Anna Minton was having none of it. She posted on Facebook about what happened. She said five police officers and three cruisers ended up storming their house that night, and they're not sure if, if charges are going to be laid, but the tone of the Revelstoke RCMP sure sounds like it. They've, they've, the Revelstoke RCMP is calling this a blatant, flaunting of the law, if you can believe that. I mean, that's pretty charged language for three legal cannabis plants. And Anna, as far as she said, she, she says she's struggling mentally knowing that her house had been invaded. The strangers went through her private space. You know, all the, all the doors were open. They searched every room. They cut the lock off their shed. So this has put a bit of a chill throughout the community. We've got people who are growing anywhere between one and four plants. Um, some are big, some are small, but now who knows who can be charged? If someone can see a plant from the sidewalk or if you've got one growing on your balcony, uh, you don't know if you're going to have a search warrant executed on your house and you're going to have your plants taken and you, you could very well end up, uh, the maximum penalty for this is a $5,000 fine and three months in jail on a first offense. So this hits home for me. I'm growing a couple of uh, cannabis plants myself, named them Betty and Boop, and I've been posting about them on social media. But just to be safe, I, I took them off of my balcony. I feel like I'm likely violating the letter of the law, and uh, I'm going to be giving them to a friend. But it's, it's very upsetting. This is, this, is, this is legalization, folks, and something needs to be done here to, uh, to bring a little bit of common sense back into the laws uh you can probably tell i'm a little bit infuriated and uh when this when the story broke you know it, it was 
it was upsetting, absolutely. I can't even imagine what these poor people in Revelstoke have gone through having their house stormed by by police, you know, like they're like they're common criminals. I don't get it. I don't get it. There are a lot of other issues that these resources could be used for, and, you know, here we are. You know, the thing that confuses me about this story, David, is that every household is allowed four plants. I didn't even know about the visibility issue. I, I think that probably could have been explained a little bit more to the public uh, upon legalization, and maybe that's up to each person to, to look at it themselves. But what, what I don't understand is, so if you have it in the, the window, uh, is that uh, count as being visible to somebody from the sidewalk? And, and why are we trying to hide the fact that we are growing something that is legal? Like th- you wouldn't ever have to hide your beer distillery if you were growing, making homemade beer or wine. This is ridiculous. Yeah. This, and this is a BC law. Um, so every province has the ability to make its own mm-hmm. variations of the, of the federal regulation. Uh, this this little loophole is something that generally people across BC were unaware of. The province uh, had put out information about what to know when you grow. Uh, Anna had talked about going through going through that information. Um, nothing was on there about these plants not being visible to the public. In fact, you really have to dive down into the BC Cannabis uh, and Control Act to uh, to find this little nugget of information. And it really seems like these folks are being made an example of. This is the RCMP, um, you know, getting a message out. That's That's the sense that I get from it. And the language in their statement is that they're saying that they want, if you're going to grow cannabis, then you need to know the law. Um, so I guess, you know, mission accomplished. We all know now. Yeah, what, what what makes no sense is the fact that this is a legal plant. You are you are legally allowed to do this, but we have to hide it away. This is, this is doing, um, you know, so much damage to the already stigma of, of cannabis. This is going to scare people away, and it's ridiculous that a law enforcement agency in Canada is perpetrating this. I, I am doing something perfectly legal, and honestly, I, I've never been so stressed about growing any kind of plant. I've never been stressed about having wine or beer in my fridge, uh, but I'm, I'm absolutely anxious about having plants anywhere where people can see them. And this is stigma. This is this is us being made to feel shame. There's no other way to put it. It's unfortunate, and uh, hopefully no charges are laid, and and hopefully the RCMP backpedals a little bit on this because this is uh, it's just it's it's overkill to the to the max, uh, in uh, my opinion. All right, let's uh, let's shift to a, a happier story. Um, another <laughs> Spirit Leaf store. Uh, is popping up in your area, and we talked about how long it took, but then maybe, like Whack-A-Mole, we might see more stores popping up, and that seems to be happening for you guys now. We've got two in the South Okanagan now. Two stores <laughs> in Penticton got their got their provincial license. And, yeah, so this is going to be Spirit Leaf's second store in the Okanagan. Congratulations to them. Um, this is a retailer that's really making a footprint across Western Canada. They've got... Uh, high concentration of stores in Calgary and in Edmonton. They've got a flagship store in Kingston um, that's uh, all 
connected to Up Cannabis, which is the Tragically Hip brand. And now they've got a store in Penticton and a store in Vernon. So that's, uh, it's great news for the Okanagan. We've got uh, stores up and down the valley now and more to follow. Uh, there's still only one in Kelowna, uh, but that's going to be changing soon, I'm sure. And uh, it's, it's good to see. You know, we, we should have these kinds of options available to us. And uh, it's, it, we've been seeing that the more stores that are open, the more retail locations, brick and mortar that are open, uh, the more people are buying from the legal industry. And that's, uh, that's what the federal government is aiming for, is to have uh, more people going through legal channels. Well, yeah, and if uh, the the uh, options are readily available, it's uh, more convenient. Uh, they're going to get definitely go down that road, and uh, more stops or stores rather uh, will be uh, popping up. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. There's a story that we're going to talk about um, w- when it comes to Canada's kind of reputation, I guess, uh, with legalization. Uh, next week on this show, I'm scheduled to interview uh, the Honorable Anne McClellan who was on the task force to legalize. So I'll be interested to talk with her. But uh, this group of uh, British economists, politicians, and marijuana legalization advocates uh, came over to uh, Canada, namely uh, Ontario, uh, which is maybe, you know, Alberta might have been a little bit better because there's so many stores. Uh, there's there's uh, not as many uh, in Ontario, and they're starting to get more. And I think they're opening up licenses uh, for them, but they were not happy with uh, what was going on in uh, Canada, and um, they, you know, they had some um, harsh criticisms, and and I think rightfully so of Canada's legalization. Yeah, this was a, a, a tour that came through of British economists, politicians, advocates. So they brought along a gentleman by the name of Chris Snowden. He's a head of lifestyle economics uh, at a think tank over there called uh, the Institute for Economic Affairs. And he had a scathing piece that he wrote in Spectator magazine. (laughs) The weather seemed to not even cooperate. He got rained on while he was partaking in his Canadian cannabis. He says that Canada's failing to smash the cannabis black market. He blames high prices, plain packaging, restrictive licensing conditions. And he says that he's he's right in the demographic that – that Canada is looking for is calling himself male, middle-aged, more or less law-abiding. <laughs> so just the kind of chaps he says to dabble in the legal market. And uh, he was not happy. He basically said that these these over uh, these over-regulated stores are pretty much sucking the fun out of cannabis. So you can't really argue with that. It's uh, it, the packaging is quite plain. And there aren't very many things that can distinguish uh, the products apart. I, I have been to a number of different retail stores myself out here in BC, and I find that all of the stores have their own different feel, which is nice. You know that you're in, say, a Spirit Leaf or a Hobo or a Starbucks. So they all, all the stores seem to be uh, individual and unique. Uh, but definitely, the the products are. A little bit difficult to tell apart and he says that uh, the black market is going to prevail until we do inject a little bit more consumerism into our uh, quote-unquote noble experiment Mm -hmm. well hopefully uh, those in charge are listening and realizing what people are saying Uh, and this is not the first uh, we've heard Bruce Linton uh, you know who we've talked about on this show several times 
uh, has talked about that, how how behind Canada is when it comes to uh, this process. And, and hopefully uh, that will change rapidly as we go on. All right, the final story we'll talk about, and uh, this is something we've talked about a couple of times, but uh, uh, growing outside, uh, I think you mentioned it's all the rage uh, the last time we talked, and uh, you know, move <laughs> over asparagus, make way for cannabis. Uh, you know, farmers are looking at cannabis uh, as opposed to traditional crops. They sure are. It was at one point in time called the new canola, and a lot of different companies are getting involved in this, you know, from a we're going to see a lot of hemp farms um, for all kinds of those different products, but we're definitely also seeing a lot of uh, cannabis farms that are being used to produce different uh, cannabis products on the market. So there was a, a great story in in the Financial Post about WeedMD. They let in with WeedMD being one of 13 Canadian pot companies that have now been granted outdoor cultivation licenses. Uh, and they get into a, a lot about how uh, this is going to be the, the cheapest way to grow cannabis. And there are different farms uh, in this area, too. One of them that we talked about recently that Aurora has uh, planted, and that's an experimental farm for them. Now, these these products or the, these plants are going to be used uh, to make basically edibles, edibles and concentrates. Anything that you don't necessarily need that beautiful uh, looking flower packaged on its own. So uh, if you can take the THC and the CBD and the, the terpenes and the cannabinoids and all the extracts, everything, that the, the waxes, um, that's, that's what they're going to be used for, those kinds of products. And they're a lot cheaper to grow outdoors. You don't have to pay for the lighting. You don't have to pay for your... Uh, you, you know the buildings. There's just so much expense that comes to to along with growing indoors that you just don't have uh, when you're growing outside. One of the challenges, of course, is Canada is not always the uh, ha- doesn't always have the longest growing season. It's, it gets a little cold out here pretty quickly, and there are only certain places where you can grow well. So a lot of the outdoor stuff, uh, people are saying, is generally going to be grown more successfully in places like California. But we will, we will definitely see weed. Weed grows like a weed, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, and it grows under under sometimes the harsh conditions. So uh, we're we're definitely going to be seeing a lot more outdoor grows, and that's uh, that's good news for the industry. One of a few of the challenges that are going to come along with that are the challenges of security and the smell. Uh, people are always worried about uh, about that skunky smell that comes along with the farm. So it'll be interesting to watch uh, to watch this spread and to see how uh, neighbors react and what it's going to mean for the industry. Um, we're going to see probably every big licensed producer have their own outdoor farm and be experimenting with what they can do. Well, the more they can grow, uh, the more they can provide, especially when season two comes aboard in uh, likely December. Uh, with edibles and concentrates and drinks, uh, they're going to need a lot more. And nobody wants to run into the same problems they had last October when supply uh, was uh, short Uh, and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. stores were closing uh, their doors because they had no more supply. And the rush of uh, what season two is going to bring, they're going to need. And already we've heard that some LPs are just like, right now uh, putting this this is earmarked for edibles and this and that and the other thing because nobody wants to run short again 
And I, I'd love to uh, experiment myself with outdoor growing, but I just don't have a place that's uh, invisible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That. Unfortunately, in your province, that is a problem. David, thanks as always for joining me on this week in Cannabis News. Of course, you can uh, sign up for the uh, email newsletter that goes out from okanaganz.com slash OZ. Thanks again, David. We'll talk next week. Good to talk to you, Dean. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> And beyond. This week on uh, cannabis characters, as mentioned off the uh, top of the show, we are uh, looking at Randall Pink Floyd, played by Jason London in Dazed In and Confused. He just lost out, actually, in the Cannabis Character Cup to Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, who we all agree is a pretty good cannabis character, I think. He might make a, a long run in this tournament. But anyway, we're celebrating uh, Randall Pink Floyd, the cool cat of high school, varsity quarterback, all-around nice guy, enjoys the herb, and that's a problem with his high school coach, or his high school uh, coaching, uh, because he is the star quarterback. Uh, this movie, of course, takes place on the last day of school in 1976. Randall, Pink, Floyd, and company are supposed to have a, a year-end party at a friend's place. But it gets busted by the friend's parents, so they're looking for things to do. Um, and it's interesting. The deleted scenes of this movie, if you've never seen them, are kind of cool. Uh, this one is uh, Floyd uh, driving around with Mitch, a kid going from junior high school to high school, and Floyd... Uh, sees some of himself in Mitch and warns him about the pros and cons of playing high school football. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a rush, you know, thousands of people yelling down from the stands and stuff. Bad times definitely outnumber the good times, and it's just whether those good times are worth it. I mean, they don't want you doing anything else. They don't even want you to have anything else on your mind. Or in your mind? Yeah, yeah. Or in your mind, there's a, a, obviously the reference to uh, marijuana because they end up partying at the Moon Tower that night. And throughout the film, Floyd's high school football teammates, they're trying to get him to sign this pledge from the coaches that they won't, quote, party and hang out with the wrong crowd in the summer, basically stop smoking weed and be in a, um, you know, that that was back in the, the 1976 where... and. Some For some people, the opinions might doubt different that uh, weed is for dummies and it makes you stupid, which is ridiculous. Anyway, Floyd, being a good guy that he is, he doesn't want to sign it, and they decide to roll it into a joint and smoke it on the 50-yard line. Joint subcommittee meeting on the 50-yard line in 15. You there? All right, all right, all right. Let's get to that meeting. So they go there. Um, they're discussing how... Um, hard done by they supposedly are. They, they are the kings of the school, but this is ridiculous that the coaches would want to make them sign this pledge. Uh, the cops end up showing up. They call the coach who berates Randall Pink Floyd in front of his, quote, loser friends and tells him to get his priorities straight. And Floyd has finally had enough. You know, coach, I got to get going. Me and my loser friends, you know, we got to go get Aerosmith tickets. 
top priority of the summer. Oh, Coach, uh, I forgot. I might play ball, but I will never sign that. It's a great scene. Finally stands up to this bully coach and uh, goes to get Aerosmith tickets. So Randall Pink Floyd by Jason London in what I think is the best non-Cheech and Chong weed film that there is. And that is another cannabis character. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. Another edition of What's That Strain after uh, had a little bit of time off. I was on uh, vacation, and uh, it was funny. As uh, Chris Ionson from Nova Cannabis, the Off-White Ave location manager, and our educator joins us as usual. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me again, Dean. It was so funny. I was on vacation and visiting with some friends, and most of the time the conversation was about this very segment, What's That Strain? People were really, my buddies back home in uh, Manitoba are really diving into um, you know what makes a strain and they, they really like it so uh, the Manitobans are liking what's that strain that's awesome yeah it's, it's pretty interesting to, to kind of go through the different strains uh, really break it down really and and just more than how does it get you high etc and, and kind of what it does and what you should be uh, looking for and uh, really excited about today uh, we are doing uh, WAPA it is an indica by uh, Namaste Namaste <laughs> Are you were, were you a Curb the Enthusiasm fan? Yeah, for sure. Larry David, yeah, uh, they, they get into that uh, yoga industry, and uh, uh, we might hear a few more namastes as we roll along in this segment. But WAPA uh, is an indica. Let's talk about namaste, the LP. Um, parent company is Xenobis, correct? Yeah, it is Xenobis. Uh, so Xenobis was uh, formed in 2014 in New Brunswick, uh, and it was actually two... Uh, farm families kind of got together and, and formed this company to, to grow cannabis. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Uh, I like, they, I, sorry, I like that how, uh, you know, who, who knows what they might have been doing before, but uh, the idea to, to just let's get together and uh, as a partnership uh, grow a little bit of cannabis and it uh, turns into uh, what we have before us today. So I like that story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so they were originally called, um, their first name was International Herbs Medical Marijuana Limited. That's a bit of a mouthful there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it sounds a lot better. Yeah. Cannabis. That sounds a lot better than uh, international, uh, whatever, man of mystery, medical marijuana. So it's a little bit longer. So I like the namaste shortening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It uh, rolls with the, uh, the recreational cannabis mm -hmm. line, too. Uh, so what's neat about them, too, is they've got coast-to-coast -coast production. So uh, they've got grow facilities in the Maritimes and in BC. Uh, so they're all over Canada. And uh, they've currently got uh, over 3.5 million square feet of, of grow space in their in their company. That is impressive. Uh, they they've also, from what I read, have a pretty massive facility out in uh, in Langley. As you mentioned, they're coast to coast, and uh, one of the bigger ones is out in BC. Yeah, the one in Langley, BC, is uh, two million square feet. That's a lot of weed. Wow, that is uh, impressive. So uh, originated out of uh, New Brunswick, as you mentioned. And um, there's also, there, there's Namaste and there's there's another uh, brand as well. Yeah, there's uh, Blazery. 
um, Blazer, we, we haven't seen Blazery yet in the Alberta rec market yet. Uh, but uh, from what I've tracked down, uh, it's a recreational line of uh, high-end uh, pre-rolls. So it's top top bud, good, like top cola flower, uh, high-quality pre-rolls, pretty exciting. Yeah, top cola flower, uh, top cola buds is, um, if you're new to cannabis, the best part of the plant. If you're, think of it in wine terms, it's your reserve, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is, the reserve. A few companies actually refer to their top cola stuff as, you know, Edison Reserve, they, they call it that. And Excellent. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting history with this. As, as we've done a few of these segments, uh, this has originated in Europe in, in one particular place that is very famous for marijuana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so WAPA was first created in 2006 uh, in Amsterdam uh, by Paradise Seeds. Um, and they've actually, Paradise Seeds is... Um, they, they've got the genetic rights to, to a lot of uh, famous strains and WAP is one of their, you know, big, big famous award winners. Yeah, it has, uh, you know, in the, um, the, the terms of the cannabis cup, which, you know, I think a lot of people measure, you know, how uh, worthy of a uh, strain it might be by some of the awards and uh, having cannabis cup next to your name does carry some cachet with it. Yeah, it does for sure. Uh, so yeah, with, uh, with WAPA, um, we've got, uh, the stuff that we've got today, uh, it's a 17.3% THC mm-hmm. and, uh, 0.07% CBD. So less than one. Okay. This is, uh, 60, 40, uh, Indica. Yeah. And, that's right. uh, there's something interesting about the lineage with this. So we know part of it, but the other part is a mystery, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so for the lineage, uh, we know that uh, Sweet Skunk is one of the parents, uh, and the other parent is unknown, and only Paradise Seeds knows the answer to that, and they're not sharing it with anybody. That is interesting. Do you find that very often? Like, I find most of the, the strains that you want to look up and find the information for, and certainly the ones that we've talked to, the lineage is pretty much written out clearly. This is rare, isn't it? Yeah, it is pretty rare, uh, for sure. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they're entitled to that. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody, you know what, like, if you want to keep it a little bit of a mystery, I, I don't mind. I just, it's it's, it's interesting. It kind of gives it a little bit of mystique uh, as well with that. So, that's cool. Okay, when we talk about what's in a name, uh, this is one of the favorite things uh, that we do on, on this segment is we uh, talk about uh, the different names for strains. And when you talk about WAPA, uh, what's in a name? Yeah, uh, so after some deep diving and kind of looking into it and reaching out to some friends, I uh, uh, couldn't find like a direct, you know, here's why WAPA is called WAPA. I uh, did, did come across uh, WAPA as a, a slang term for cannabis in, in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go smoke some WAPA. It's a WAPA time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is definitely going to play into that. Um, just kind of rolls off the tongue the two wapa yeah i i like that listen uh, we we do a segment on this podcast it's called weed word of the day where we just basically uh well the one time we explored actual uh you know terminology of uh, uh cbd and terpenes and what they all meant but most of the time it's weed slang words where we just kind of um talk about different kind of slang words and and i there are so many like re- the word reefer right like you know obviously there's that uh, ridiculous show reefer madness and if if you ever want some entertainment, go watch how silly that uh, show is. But, you know, reefer is derived from the word grifo, a Mexican slang to describe somebody under the influence of marijuana. And so it get into, came into to reefer in different things. And chiba is a 
kind of a word, a Spanish word. I think it actually means like heroin or something, uh, but it, it's it been like uh, translated to, to weed. So, But everybody has their own slangs, like within your own kind of group, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure you guys had different words for weed growing up because nobody's coming out when we were growing up and saying marijuana, right? <laughs> like yeah, you were yeah. trying to hide it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we'd use dope, grass, uh, chiba, tree. Herb. Trees. Trees, yeah. I was a big fan of Smoke Some Trees. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that one. And it's like, uh, you know, you can kind of not really know. If you don't know anything about marijuana, you wouldn't really know what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Tree, yeah. There's some good ones. Spliff uh, for when you talk about uh, different kind of joints. Doobies, spliffs, uh, you know, I don't know. You, yeah, typically with the spliff, is you're going to add tobacco yeah. into your cannabis. Uh, that's, that's very popular uh, in Europe. It is? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's where That's where it kind of came over from North America, too, because I used to smoke, and I would not want tobacco in a in a joint anymore. Yeah. Just because I haven't smoked for you know, 15 years or something like that, so. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I do smoke, unfortunately, but and I prefer to keep them separate. I, I like my, my joints to have all cannabis. Right. And then when I'm finished my joints, I will go for a cigarette afterwards. I like some of the terms like uh, like alfalfa or asparagus, right? Like now you're getting really kind of covert with, uh, with some, like bud is obviously, we know what the term bud is, but when people are starting to go alfalfa and asparagus, you're really trying to be covert about that, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. When I, uh, when I play ball, I'll uh, usually have a hoot uh, in between games, and I refer to it as, a, as my spinach. Oh, I like, I like that. Like Popeye. Popeye. Yeah. I like that. Uh, ganja is actually derived from the Hindi word for the hemp plant. Nice. Yeah. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. The, all the things that we're learning here. on uh, And, of course, Mary Jane and the, the different things. I, I like to, when I ask people uh, about their first time, I always like to ask, uh, what was your first dance with Mary Jane like, right? So <laughs> it's kind of a uh, different thing like that. So, anyway, that's a little more about uh, names. So, uh, WAPA, the Spanish slang word for weed. Uh, and we talk about packaging. This is pretty uh, general. Um, maybe a little bit bigger, but... Uh, for, for the one grams, but I, as I, I think as we roll along, I think packaging is going to get smaller. I think there, it's, there, there's an adjustment period in the first year, and I think we have to give uh, a little bit of uh, slack to everybody that's doing this, that they will get it right eventually. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You said it, man. Um, I think that's good. Probably one of the number one complaints we've had in the recreational cannabis uh, industry in, in Canada is the packaging. So this one gram tub here, uh, this is actually a reduction from what the one grams from Namaste wow. were, were originally. It actually came with a box. It doesn't need to be that big. Yeah, exactly. That uh, it, it never has to be. So anyway, they, they will get uh, they will get on that for sure. Okay, terpenes. When we look at uh, terpenes, which um, you know gives the plant not only uh, its smell and a little bit of the look but uh, some of the uh, the effects what are we talking about for uh, the major terpenes in wapa the uh, the three major terpenes in wapa are uh, myrcene uh, which is the clove kind of flavor and taste uh, pinene which is pine and caryophyllene which is the black pepper kind of spicy which is my favorite which is also a uh, really important terpene as well uh, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's the only known terpene to, to bind with your CB2 receptors, so uh, really good for the for the body effects too. Um, yeah, it's probably my favorite terpene as well, Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I definitely like the taste, and uh, especially the the myrcene gives you kind of like that uh, clovey, herby, uh, and then obviously pinene by the name. You can guess that it's uh, going to be uh, 
a piney taste. So I'm going to give this a whirl as you're telling, going to tell me about the desired effects for somebody. What have you experienced when you've used uh, WAPA from? Namaste. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. So for me, my, my take on Namaste's WAPA is it, uh, it's a body relaxation, uh, you know, without the, the typical sedation that may leave the user lethargic. So uh, it's going to chill your body out, but it's not going to like put you right into the couch where, you know, you're not going to do anything. So it's kind of an interesting indica where uh, you're going to get those body effects, you're going to chill out, but you're still got some energy to do stuff. It's not a, a full into the couch indica. Yeah, uh, I, I think the term we talked about before was a functioning indica, which I think is a really, really uh, good term. This is not going to, you know, put you in couch lock. Um, you know, maybe if you're uh, going, you're, it's a big, long night, you want to go with something else. But if it's a, just a kind of relaxing night after a long day at work, uh, you might get a bit of a boost and then kind of like relax into the night, but not slumped in the corner, not having a conversation, falling asleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you nailed it there. That's perfect. So um, I look at uh, this stuff. And first of all, I, I know that um, you are not allowed, you guys do not uh, in your store give medical advice. And that's something you guys, it's recreational. But in my research for this, I've looked at uh, this as being help for uh, stress relief, uh, PTSD. Um, I suffer from uh, mental illness and, and I tailor my cannabis to, to what I need. I think this would be a good strain to, uh, for, for those of you listening and you're new to cannabis and you want to try it out, ask your doctor about WAPA. This is, I think this would be a good strain for people to, to get some medical advice for because I think it could help uh, some people, uh, particularly in the, the, the mental illness uh, realm of things. This is certainly what I'm going to be talking to my doctor about. So uh, that's my PSA for today. And, and again, Chris, you guys only do you know, recreational, uh, you don't do medical advice, but uh, I'm, I'm telling people to ask their doctor uh, about this one. Um, okay, so taste test. I, I'll, uh, I'll I'll taste a little bit more, and uh, <laughs> you can tell uh, us uh, what uh, kind of you've got from this uh, in your times. Um, what what will people expect when they give WAPA a try? Yeah, um, first kind of flavor that that I notice is this the citrus and the spice. Uh, that's kind of the the primary. Uh, tastes, um, hints of tea, hints of pine, and I did find it to be rather smooth, uh, it is. going yeah. in and coming it's, out as well. Yeah. A little skunky. Uh, I've, I've got written down here, skunky exhale, yeah. uh, for sure with, with the wobble. But you don't notice it at the, at the beginning, yeah. right? Um, yeah, it's on the exhale. but it is really, really smooth. You know, I think the last one a couple of weeks ago, I, I noticed that, uh, th these are really smooth. The last two we've done are really smooth on this. I'm using the the hexagon right out of the the freezer from burnt which is makes it pretty smooth anyway but uh, yeah this one is really natural and uh, enjoyable but it's kind of that it's like that uh, you get that skunk hit just at the end like just somebody leaving the party eh yeah. so there's that skunk hit so yeah. that little uh, skunky taste so that's good uh, okay so that's uh, wapa from namaste it's an indica as we mentioned before this one we're using is 17.3 percent THC so that would be on the mid to high range yeah exactly mid to high range so THC not exactly a good starter strain uh you know you don't want to be diving into this even though it's uh uh it's got a, a mellow high um you don't want to probably dive into something that high percentage yeah I don't think a beginner should start off with WAPA mm -hmm. uh, start off with something probably balanced but uh yeah but it's a, good a for goal. intermediate yeah um, when you have more experience you can kind of stepping stone up to this one so yeah for sure
Let's talk a little bit about uh, vaporizers. Uh, season two, as some people are uh, calling it, is coming out uh, probably. What would your be your guess when uh, edibles, vaporizers, things like that will be on the market? I think we're looking at mid-December of 2019. Okay, so right before Christmas, perfect way, put something under the tree, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to talk uh, specifically about the uh, PAX Era Pod Vaporizer, uh, just in time for Christmas. Uh, tell us about this one. Absolutely. I, I'm very excited about these. Uh, they're already out in the American market, and they're very popular. Um, so PAX, that makes probably the the best vaporizer that we sell in our stores. It's kind of like the Lamborghini. They're just super slick, um, work really well to come with a 10 year warranty. Wow. Yeah. And so PAX is known for high quality vaporizers. And, uh, and recently they, uh, they acquired a company called Juul and Juul make those nicotine uh, vapes that mm -hmm. they sell in the 7-Eleven, you know, convenience stores, uh, very small, tiny little black, uh, unit, um, Kind of looks like a USB port almost. Okay. Or a plug. Um, and so con very uh, inconspicuous and concealable, easily fits in the pocket. Yeah, for sure. It's very subtle too. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, and so what, what they're going to put in these pods, they're going to do uh, extracts, distillates, and resin. And it's good. they're going to use a CO2 extraction process. And probably the most exciting thing for me is they've partnered up with four really big LPs with high-quality cannabis uh, to make the pods. So we're going to see in the store, we're going to be selling these packs era vaporizers, and then you'll be able to kind of customize your smoke by getting, you know, a couple of indica pods, a couple of sativa pods, some hybrids, wow. mix it up, high CBD, you know, whatever your flavor is for what you want to do. It's interesting. Um, a lot of these LPs are planning to keep a lot of their cannabis for the vape rush. Like this is going to be big business. And they're devoting a lot of their uh, their growth to this oncoming rush. And when you talk about the LPs that they're partnering with, some pretty big names and some pretty important LPs. Yeah, um, Aurora uh, Cannabis, one of the big guys there for sure. Um, Afria as well, one of the big guys out of the East Coast. Uh, Organogram and Supreme. Uh, and so that's Seven Acres and Blissco. And Organogram has Edison and Trailblazer. And Afria has Soleil and Riff. And Aurora has the Aurora stuff and as well so as lots of San Rafael. Yeah, so we're going to be seeing like Tangerine Dream pods and Pink Kush pods. I just can't wait for those two especially. Yeah, strain-specific pods is going to be something that's, uh, that's really, really important for people that think lighting up and smoking a joint is disgusting. And there are people that uh, just, just don't want to smoke. Yeah. But now this is an opportunity for another option for them. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's, it smells less too. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's easier on the lungs and throat. It's not as harsh as combusting cannabis. Um, and and in in Colorado and like the the legal states in the states, uh, they've been kind of monitoring uh, where the sales are, and a lot of people are investing their money into the distillates and mm -hmm. the the concentrate stuff instead of the dried flour. So should be interesting to see. Where the market goes, um, I know a lot of the the companies too. They're going to be doing like the Pax Era pods. Mm -hmm. They're going to be doing disposable pens, right, on their own. Where you know it's eighty hits and then chuck it away. It's done. Uh, as well as the kind of the the traditional five ten threading um, capsules. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I think that's the uh, the interesting thing. The uh, different options that are going to be available. I know I know Burnt Designs has. Uh, a vape coming out called the base, which has some really cool options that connect to your smartphone. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty high tech and, and it's going to be great to see 
you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, this, uh, the PAX pod vaporizer to see how that works. And, you know, PAX is, you know, a pretty strong name in the, in the vaporizer oh, game. Yeah. So, you know, that it's, you know, talking about the 10 year warranty and stuff like this is going to be game changing for a lot of people. They're going to be like, wow, I can experience cannabis without whatever. Yeah. Like I can try it and, you know, disposable pen. Um, I, I just think that people are going to be uh, really, really impressed by, um, and also how, how good the product is you, and you know, it's clean, you know, exactly, um, you know, what you're getting out of it. So it's going to be good. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, and as December rolls around, we'll maybe test out a few different, uh, options that are out there. Oh yeah, for sure. We will be doing that. All right. Uh, thanks as always, uh, Chris, uh, we did a little WAPA Indica from Namaste. see you next week. Sounds good. Dean. Thanks. Time now for Tools of the Trade. Is this a dream? The latest and greatest in cannabis accessories. In today's Tools of the Trade, usually we talk about uh, ways to actually get high and consume cannabis. Uh, Today we're talking about getting too high. And listen, Everybody has been there. It's nothing to be ashamed about, but it's not fun. You could get paranoid. You could get uh, isolated. Uh, it's just not fun to have. Uh, nobody wants to. Does anybody like getting drunk and throwing up? No. If you, if you get overbaked, it's not physically that way, but it's not fun at all. So here are some tips that a, a friend of mine sent me this article from thegrowthop.com. So a tip of the cap to them, uh, good stuff. Uh, and some of these I have actually heard from people in the medical field. So here are a few ways to mellow you out a little bit. Um, just uh, splashing cold water on your face. And uh, once again, I, I don't, this will not make you no longer impaired and the, uh, be allowed to drive. I do not want to uh, put that impression out there at all. This is just to help you get through it. So uh, if you show, throw cold water on your face, it awakens your senses and will just make you a little bit more aware and uh, maybe less um, isolated, so to speak. Um, you know what CBD is, I'm sure. Uh, CBD is uh, very uh, helpful in a lot of different things. I use it uh, daily. Um, it, uh, it there's a, We're going to get into some um, uh, medical stuff in the next couple of weeks with a doctor, hopefully. Uh, but CBD is very good for that. It can also help you mellow out when you are too high. It interacts with the THC in a bunch of different ways, but um, it diminishes things like getting hungry or sleepy or just too high. It kind of balances things out. Uh, so that's why you'll see some strains that are uh, have some CBD and some THC in them. Uh, so it, it kind of helps out with the high. So if you are too high, uh, squirt some um, CBD oil or take a capsule or something like that. Uh, lemons. If you love lemons, this is good news for you. Limonene is one of the uh, terpenes that is found a lot in cannabis. And uh, for whatever reason, citrus kind of brings down the high. Um, so drink some orange juice, lemon. Um, some of the peel as well. Um, it's, it's fat soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. 
and uh, those things high in vitamin C. Uh, this has actually happened to somebody I know. Um, they were uh, not very comfortable. Uh, we gave them some orange juice and a little bit of uh, uh, some some lemon as well, and it really uh, brought them down to a level where they could realize uh, what was going on. Uh, black pepper and coffee, they recommend, according to this article. Uh, they both have karyophyllene, and if you listen to the show, you know I love that terpene. Um, it has uh, been known for relieving anxiety, and it can help with cannabis-induced paranoia. Coffee um, can counter the negative high as well. A study apparently published uh, last year uh, in the Journal of Internal Medicine showed, quote, researchers found that consuming eight cups per day causes a reduction in the types of neurotransmitters affected by cannabis, suggesting that something in the drink may suppress the endocannabinoid, that's your body wellness system's efficiency, according to that one. So if you want to get some black pepper, uh, chew on that, eat something with some black pepper on it, uh, have uh, some coffee, uh, will help you out. Again, will not sober you up, so to speak, but uh, can help. And, the, you know, good old H2O, little bit of flushing out the cannabis um, uh, will flush out everything in your system, including THC. So if you want to find that more, it's at uh, thegrowthop.com. And uh, thanks to my buddy Steve for uh, sending that to me because that is important. If you are especially new to cannabis, you should know of a few ways that could make it as as smooth and enjoyable as possible. So that is the tools of the trade, how to come down if you're too high. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, Thai stick, salad. So let's explore another Weed word of the day. Samuel O. Jackson, The Hobbit's Leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, what are your weed words that you guys use in your group? Uh, Chris and I were talking about some of the ones earlier. Uh, shoot me a tweet at the cannabis 101 at the cannabis 101 on Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram, the at the Cannabis 101 podcast, on Facebook, at Cannabis 101 podcast. You can just uh, straight up email us, Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com, and uh, check out our website, Cannabis101podcast.ca. You can catch up on past episodes, and you can also uh, check out some contests that we have. So our uh, weed Word of the day, uh, we're going with a few different words uh, that uh, we find from every once in a while that are slang for weed. Uh, mota is a Mexican slang for marijuana. And uh, it's also, from what I hear, a pretty good company as well uh, to get some edibles from. So uh, mota is interesting. Elbow is a pound of weed. Uh, I guess just the uh, the L and the B. Um, so uh, I, I'd never heard of that term. Uh, but I guess I understand why it is. Sticky, icky, icky, high potent weed. Uh, Snoop Dogg talks about that uh, a lot. Uh, but uh, if somebody ever says, I got some sticky, icky, icky, uh, it probably means uh, you're going to have a really good time. And this is uh, one I'd never heard. Choof, C-H-O-O-F. If you're listening to us in Australia, you will, and your uh, experience with cannabis, you'll know what I'm talking about. This apparently is an Australian term for smoking from a bong. 
So in Australia, I would be considered a chuf monster, uh, somebody that uh, quite often uses the bong. I got to do that right after I sign off here because I'm uh, going out to celebrate my beautiful wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Trish. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Big thanks to Jackie for dropping by and uh, obviously leaving some of those delicious edibles. Like I said, I have not had edibles before that have been that effective. And the people I'm going with camping with, you know who you are this weekend. You're going to be in for a good time because I will save a couple of them for you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to David Wiley for joining us on This Week in Cannabis News. And, of course, Chris Ionson our educator. Uh, We may start uh, getting into some video and you'll see a little bit about what we're talking about with the cannabis, uh, with uh, the uh, what's that strain segment. So that maybe is down the road. Thank you so much for uh, stopping by this week. Have a good time. We'll see you next Wednesday. Be safe. And remember, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. 